Let us pray. Your word, O God, comes to us in the translation of ancient scriptures. Send now your Holy Spirit to open our minds with understanding and our hearts with wisdom in the name of Jesus Christ, your living word. Amen. Our Old Testament reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. In a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlines wait for his teaching. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spreads out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeons and the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and now new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. This is the word of the Lord. And our second reading comes from the New Testament. It is today the baptism of the Lord. So we'll read that from Matthew's Gospel, um, chapter 3, verses 13, starting at 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased." God's word to the church today. So if you noticed on your bulletin, it does say this is the baptism of the Lord. You'll also notice the white that we're all wearing in recognition of that. That's part of the church calendar. I also kept trying to figure out why I could see you all so well when I came in here. The Christmas tree's gone, so I, <laughs> I, it just seemed so open. I was like, wow, that's nice. Um, I like the tree, but I also like to see all of y'all. Um, so it is uh, the baptism of the Lord. Uh, I don't know about you, but for me, it, that's always kind of a bit awkward to, to get to in early January, and it's, it's not easy to preach on, honestly. Um, my, I guess, Western-oriented, kind of chronologically-oriented uh, mind has a tough time jumping from baby Jesus in that manger uh, to an adult just a couple of weeks later being, being baptized by his cousin John. 
So I think if we maybe look at this a little differently, if we just take a moment and, and think about the Lord's, the Lord's baptism as a beginning. Um, it's not a station or a, a way to, to move along. Uh, maybe, maybe that helps us. In the baptism of Jesus, Jesus is named by John as the one, the, the one who the, the nation of Israel has been waiting for. Uh, in his baptism, Jesus uh, is identified publicly, and it's confirmed by the heavens opening up, the dove coming down, and the voice from heaven proclaiming that this is God's son. This is God's beloved, uh, the very one who holds God's pleasure. But this verbal confirmation was not the culmination of Jesus' journey. It was the beginning of something new, something that was quite remarkable. So all of that that's going on, all that theological depth, all that things we have to talk about, and, and theology is uh, a fancy word that we use to, to explain how we talk about God. How, how do we talk about God? How do we see God uh, acting in the world? Um, and, and sometimes like this, it's quite frankly uh, difficult to kind of wrap your mind around all the things that are, that are maybe trans, transpiring here in this moment of, of Jesus' baptism, I mean, the dove coming down, the voice from heaven. Um, how do we wrap our kind of simple little minds ar around all that? And for me, uh, one of the things I do when I, oh, I hit one of these places in the Bible or, or in my study that, that it just seems to be somewhat kind of overwhelming uh, uh, for me, um, art is a place that I like to turn to. Um, I, I think art sometimes projects a, a picture or a vision of things that we can't express with words. Uh, a piece of artwork comes from the soul of the artist, and it's a way of projecting uh, these maybe difficult things. Uh, you, you know, honestly, the divine presence is, is just so grand and wonderful. Uh, our, our human brains can't comprehend it. But art comes to us that way and hopefully is helpful. It's helpful for me uh, to look at that. Now, art comes to us in many forms, uh, pictures and paintings, uh, watercolors, uh, and I'm not talking about professional artists. It could be children, uh, any of you that dabbled in any kind of art, pottery, uh, anything like that. It, it's coming from the inside and, 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 and coming out in a way of expressing um, sculptures, wall hangings, and yes, stories. Stories are a form of art, and a modern way uh, to tell a story uh, is a movie. We have movies. Um, so many years ago, a particular piece of art that spoke to me about the mystery here of baptism, and, uh, and in that movie, a particular scene um, was uh, that really spoke to me and, and got my senses going was a quirky little movie, and maybe you've seen it, it was called, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And uh, George Clooney was the lead uh, in that movie. Uh, the film is set in rural Mississippi back in the 1930s, and it follows these three escaped convicts uh, as they search for a hidden treasure uh, with the police uh, closely on their tails looking for them. Uh, while the movie is supposedly loosely based on Homer's epic Greek poem, The Odyssey, although the producers claim that they never actually read the Odyssey, as most of us would probably proclaim as well. Uh, the, story, uh, the story is about uh, the aggressive Pete, uh, the simple-minded yet kind-hearted Delmar, and the fortune-seeking, fast-talking Everett, who was played by George Clooney. Um, it follows their escapades through the Deep South in search of Everett's treasure. Along the way, they run into a Delta blues singer who supposedly has sold his soul to the devil, a traveling one-eyed Bible salesman, 
the notorious bank robber Babyface Nelson, and the governor of Mississippi. So from the start of the film, this trio of misfits is searching for redemption. Everett, Delmar, and Peter are run, are, and Pete are running towards a new life, away from their old life, from past mistakes and those severe consequences that those mistakes have given them. They're searching for a treasure that they hope will absolve them from their sins and bring them new life and new identity. Now, during their escape across the Delta, uh, they stumble upon a large group of people uh, being baptized in a muddy river. Uh, The soon-to-be-baptized are dressed in white, and they're singing an old gospel hymn, uh, Down to the River We Pray. You'll hear it in a few minutes from from the choir. And slowly this group marches toward the river, and they move towards the preacher who awaits for them standing waist deep in the water. The soon-to-be-baptized have formed two lines taking turns while the preacher gently holds their nose and dunks them under the water, and up they come in great joy and new life. Now, the trio of bandits are off to the side, kind of spellbound by all this, and suddenly Delmar, the simple-minded one, races forward and plunges into the water and cuts in line in front of all the other people being baptized. As Delmar is plunged into the water by the waiting preacher, the camera pans up over his head and catches his face as he rises up out of that water. The joy on his face is captivating. And for a moment, he seems a bit lost, and then he orients himself to his friends over on the shore, and this brief exchange takes place. Delmar runs over to his friends and says, Well, that's it, boys. I've been redeemed. The preacher done washed me away with all my sins and transgressions. It's the straight and narrow from here on out, and heaven's everlasting is my reward. And Everett replies, Delmar, what are you talking about? We have bigger fish to fry. And Delmar says, well, the preacher says all my sins is washed away, including that Piggly Wiggly I knocked over in Yazoo. (laughs) Everett scoffs at him. I thought you said you were innocent of those charges. Well, after a moment of thought, Delmar says, well, I was lying. And the preacher says that those sins been washed away too. Neither God nor man got nothing on me now. Come on in, boys. The water is fine. The water is fine. Yes, my friends, the water is fine. Whether it's the Jordan River, the Mississippi, the Cooper, the Ashley, or good old Mount Pleasant tap water, the water is fine. It is fine because God and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are present as they were for Jesus, as they were for Delmer, and as they are for you and me. Scripture tells us that before the beginning of the world, the Spirit of God moved over the face of the water. It says the earth was a formless void and that God, out of nothing, created that water, created the world, the sun, the moon, the stars, all of creation, And yes, you and me. And God called it good. At the creation of the world, three things were present. God, the hovering spirit, and the word of God. And just as they are present at Jesus' baptism, just as they are present at our baptisms. In the Hebrew tradition, God often appeared at significant natural locations. Mountains, springs, rivers, and oceans. 
And God still appears in those places. If you don't believe me, go to Montreat for a few days. But God also appears in hospitals and highways and byways and workplaces, in our homes, big and small, and even sometimes here at church. But do we see God in these places? Do we recognize God's promise of new life that forms us out of our baptism? Or are we just more interested in the funny story that the preacher will tell as they parade the baby down the aisle? Or is it the pictures of the baby in great-great-grandfather's gown? Or maybe it's that Hamby's ham biscuit that we're going to have at lunch. Is that what our attention is on? Maybe we need to put ourselves in the shoes of John the Baptist. John the Baptizer, who was, had a pretty good thing going out there in the desert. He's attracting lots of converts, even some of the socially prominent and wealthy folks from his community are coming out there. They've noticed him in his ministry. John the baptizer's business is booming. But in his heart, John knows his job is to prepare people for something that is coming and someone that is coming that is greater. John believes in the promise of new life and it's not his to give. Then Jesus arrives at the scene, and Jesus' coming will test John's integrity. Will John, will John be able to let his followers leave him and follow Jesus? And will he have the fortitude to step out of the way? Will he be able to put his ego aside, the spotlight that he has recently received, his fame, his fortune, his profits? Will he be able to lay all that aside to point everyone to someone other than himself? Can we do that? Are we willing to give up of our lives, our control, our profits, our safety and security for something that is greater? Man, that water don't sound so fine, does it? Yet John the baptizer passes the test. Later in the New Testament, John the baptizer explains his way of thinking. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, he says, No one can receive anything except what has been given from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. On this day, as we remember Christ's baptism by John, and in that fact, remember our own baptisms, we remember the promise of new life that was made. Baptism is a recreation of one life ending and a new one beginning. Of course, we don't literally die, but the new life that we're lifted into is just not the same. The Apostle Paul, I think, said it best when he said, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. As 2022 heads to the dump heap of history, 
and we turn to 2023, we are inundated with messages from outside, from within, from within, pressuring us to make ourselves new. We hear many times from the culture, it's a new year, it's time for a new you. We make New Year's resolutions and vow to change our diet, our exercise habits, and our lifestyles. But in spite of all that work, mostly we stay the same. This may be a moment of disappointment and anxiety for some. But for those of us who belong to Christ, there is a consistency in life that we can celebrate. God's promises to us do not change with the passing of time or the situation that our life might be in, or the latest challenge that we got from an Instagram influencer. Knowing self and knowing God and God's work in us is perhaps the tipping point in real change and transformation. This year, let's not look to the coming year, the coming new year for our hope and promise of a new life, but to the one who makes all things new. Rather than focusing our energies and attention on making and likely breaking promises to ourselves, let's spend 2023 in God's unbreakable promise to us that was made in the waters of baptism, the promise of new life in Christ, a promise that is real, as real to the convict as it is to the saint of the church. So come on in, boys and girls, the water is just fine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.